number of years ago, I was sleeping and I woke up around two something in the morning. And when I woke up, I, I perceived the Lord speak to me. And I, I perceived the Lord invite me to be a prophet. He said, Josh, will you accept this role in the body of Christ um, as, as a prophet? My, my charisma received in my baptism is e evangelism. So I have a gift of sharing the gospel in a way that attracts people to Jesus. Uh, and, and evangelists are typically well-liked by the people they serve. Prophets, on the other hand, are not. Prophets typically are members of the body of Christ who afflict those who are comfortable and comfort those who are afflicted. So when they speak truth of the church's teachings, typically those truths are very difficult to accept, and a lot of people resist prophets. They are oftentimes rejected by people, even from people, and particularly from people within the church. And so over the years since I've accepted this prophetic role in the body of Christ, there have been times where I've preached difficult teachings of the church. And when I preach these difficult teachings, I have been criticized by people in the community, and I've been accused of being called many names. Whenever I preach about the, the church's teachings on abortion, I've been called anti-woman. Whenever I've preached about the church's teachings on racism, I've been called a communist. Whenever I've preached about the church's teachings on contraception, I've been called too conservative. And when I preached about the church's teachings on immigration, I've been called too liberal. And I get it. I get it. Whenever we proclaim the church's teachings, sometimes if we're not rooted in the church's teachings, the first time we hear it at mass or at a conference, we might resist it initially because we might be more rooted in what we were taught growing up by our, our family or our community or our schools, which might not have been rooted in the actual teachings of the church. So I get the resistance, I get the, uh, the criticism, I, I get the accusations. But I think the most shocking accusation that I've ever received uh, was this. Father Josh preaches about the Bible too much. Like, literally, that was a complaint about me. He always talks about how we need to read the Bible and pray with the Bible, and I just can't stand when he gives that message. I'm like, what? That's your, that's your complaint? Imagine, if we were Old Testament people, particularly from the first reading uh, in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, if you think I talk about the Bible too much, which I get it, I get it. I do oftentimes say everybody needs to read the Bible and pray with the Bible. Like, that's my, my thing. But this is how much they listened to the Bible in the Old Testament. Okay, let's just be honest. Who in here has ever come to Mass? And uh, the, the first reading is read, and by the time the gospel happens, we already forgot what the first reading said. Let's be honest. Okay. Me too. Okay. It's, it's happening. I'm a priest. People are like, what's the readings about? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Sometimes we just, we're not there. But this is the first reading from the prophet ne uh, Nehemiah. It's about Ezra. When the seventh month had come, the children of Israel were in their towns, and all the people gathered, and one man into the square, like one man into the square before the water gate. Ezra, Ezra, the scribe, was told to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord gave to Israel. So this was like their Bible, was the law of Moses, the Torah, the, the first five books of the Bible, they had the other books, right? So Ezra, the priest, he brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, like, kind of like mass, men and women came, uh, and all could hear and understand. So their children came too, on the first day of the seventh month. 
And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, get this, from early morning until midday. So my mass might last an hour and 10 minutes if I preach a long time. This says that he read from the word of God from early morning until midday. So imagine if mass was at 8 a.m., it ain't over until 3 p.m. That's a long time for the people to listen to the word. So he read it from early morning to midday in the presence of the men and the women and all those who can understand. And the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. They listened to the word of God. And Ezra described stood, like I'm doing right now, on a wooden pulpit, like I'm at right now, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood a bunch of names I can't pronounce, so we're going to skip all those names. So, mm, here. All right. Ezra then opened up the book in the sight of the people, for he was above all the people. Like, again, I'm, I don't think I'm better than y'all, but I'm currently standing above y'all. All right. So, and when he opened the book, the people stood. When we read the gospel, what did y'all do? You stood up. Do you see how everything we do in the Mass is even rooted in the Bible? Like, literally, this, this is so amazing. Are y'all getting excited right now? I am. But then it says this. All right, so the people, like they said, amen, amen. They lifted up their hands. They worshiped the Lord as the word of God was read. And then it says they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. All right, so that means that they lied prostrate as Ezra began to proclaim the word of God and teach them what the word of God meant for five, six, seven, eight hours. Now, I think sometimes we idealize the past, right? We're like, oh, I want the old days and the old stuff, whatever, because they were so much more reverent back then. Like, like look, look at the Bible. Like, they laid down while he read the word of God. Okay, they were human, so I bet some of them were probably sleeping, uh, just to be honest. But that's what they did, all right? So that's a lot of reading from the word of God. So if you think I preach too much about the word of God, like it's, it's nothing compared to what happened in the old days. Now, why ought we immerse ourselves in the word of God for, for a number of reasons. One reason, because if we spend time with the word of God, if we meditate on the word of God day and night, then we're going to be happy. All of us, everybody in the world, we all long for happiness. We all want to be happy. And the only way that we're ever going to experience authentic happiness is if we read the Word of God. This is what the Word of God teaches us. In the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 1, it's like the very first psalm ever. So Psalm 1, it's, it's not hard to remember, says this, Blessed is the man, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law meditates day and night. The word blessed is synonymous with the word happy. Happy is the man and the woman and the child who delights in the, the teachings of God in the, in the Bible. The person who meditates on the word of God day and night. Not once a week on Sunday for an hour at Mass, but every single day and night. If we want to be happy, we have to immerse ourselves in this. There's no self-help book. There's, there's no thing that we can do that's ever going to give us the happiness we long for outside of Scripture. And so if I'm prioritizing other books over the word of God, that's probably why I'm not happy. I'm not saying we can't use self-help books and read spirituality books. They all have their place in the body, but they should never take priority over the word of God. 
If I spend more time reading other books more than I read the Bible, that's a problem. So I need to be reading the Bible more, and the more I read the Bible, the more I'm going to experience the happiness that I long for. Why else ought we prioritize reading the Word of God day and night? Because St. Jerome teaches us, ignorance of Scripture, ignorance of the Bible, which is pretty cool. So the Bible, I have like 10 Bibles, and I always like put stuff in my Bibles, and today I found a check from Christmas in this Bible. So I was like, oh man, it pays to read Scripture, like literally. So thank you. I'm Jennifer wrote me this check for Christmas. I'm going to cash it tomorrow, uh, by the way. But see, really, I was like, oh, Jesus, you're so good to me. Wow. So, uh, St. Jerome says, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. We, we really can't know Christ if we don't know his word. We don't know his voice. When we lean into the word of God, we get to see the posture of Jesus, the way he prayed, how he ministered, who he spent time with, what he did in his free time. Like we get to know the Lord in a very intimate way, so much so that whenever we're not even reading Scripture, will be able to perceive his voice outside of Scripture because we are immersed in the life of Christ through the written word of God. So we read Scripture so that we can experience authentic happiness. We read Scripture so that we can know Jesus, which the Catechism says that like, we're, we're meant to come to know, love, and serve God. We can't love a God or serve a God who we don't know. So to know him, we got to spend time with him in the word. But also because when we read Scripture, we get to know ourselves or rather, our place in the body of Jesus Christ. Each and every single one of us, we are necessary members of the body of Jesus Christ. But the only way that we'll be able to embrace our place in the body is if we are immersed in the Word of God. St. Therese of Lisieux, she's a, a doctor of the church. She was a Carmelite, a Carmelite cloistered nun. And for many years as a, as a nun, she struggled she struggled because she heard the word of God proclaimed, particularly today's reading from St. Paul, where he talked about the body of Christ and how there's some people are, are the hands in the body and some people are the feet and some people are the eyes, other people are the ears, how there are administrators in the body of Christ, there are healers in the body of Christ, some people speak tongues in the body of Christ, some people are prophets and evangelists and, and teachers and, and leaders. And, and as she, she read the word of God, she became so discouraged because she realized, I'm not super smart, so I can't be a teacher. You know, and, and I, I haven't seen any miracles worked. Whenever my sisters in the convent were preparing for death and I prayed for them to, to rise again, they still die. And I don't know how to speak in tongues or even interpret tongues. I'm not a prophetic voice in the church. She read all these gifts that St. Paul wrote about and she felt so discouraged and she said, I don't have a place. Like, I want all these gifts, but I don't have any of them. I don't belong in the body. And she felt so discouraged. But she continued to read the word. She continued to lean into scripture. And the more she read, the more she realized that there was a greater gift that she did receive from God. There was a greater gift that she was capable of abiding in. There was a greater place that was created just for her in the church. She had a place. And it was to be a heart. Because the body cannot operate without the heart. And she read in Corinthians where St. Paul says, but the greatest of all these gifts, though, is love. And she said, that's, that's where I belong. I be I'm the heart and the body. I am love. 
That is my gift that I can receive from Jesus and offer to Jesus and give to the church. This is my place. But the only reason she was able to discern her place in the church, in the body, was because she kept on reading the word of God. If we desire to be happy, if we desire to come to really know Jesus, if we want to know our place in the body of Christ, me as a priest, you as a single person or as a married person or as a, a divorced person or a widow or a widower, you as a young person, as a child, as a grandparent, we all have a place in the body of Christ, but the only way, the only way that we will really come to know where God is inviting us to dwell is if we immerse ourselves in his word. So how do we do this? What are some practical ways we can immerse ourselves more deeply in the word of God? A few suggestions. These are just suggestions. These are my proposals. These are not mandates, but they are suggestions that I think could help all of us. Whenever we wake up in the morning, before we, we check our phone for Instagram, our, our emails, our Facebook, our Twitter, our social media, before we turn on the TV, I want to invite us to turn to the Word. Turn to the Word of God and give the Lord 15 minutes. 15 minutes of Lexio Divina where we read a passage, what does it say? We meditate on the passage, what does it say to me? We pray with the passage, have a conversation with God about what it says to me, and then we sit with the passage through contemplation as we look at the Lord's love, as his love looks upon us. 15 minutes. You could use the gospel of the day. You can use one of the mysteries of the, the rosary. Or you could pick any particular passage but pick a passage every day in the morning. And then on our way to and from school, on our way to and from work, as we're doing chores around the house or running the lakes here at LSU, listen to Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a Year podcast so we can study the Word. So we pray with the Word in the morning, and now we're studying the Word as we're driving or as we're walking or as we're working around the house or the dorm. And then... Maybe once a week after supper, watch an episode of The Chosen. So we're not only reading the word or listening to the word, but we're also able to visualize the word. And in The Chosen series, they, they take some creative you know, things, but it still is, is a good show to watch. So we can begin to see the word on screen, praying with our imagination. And then as we go to bed at night, uh, listen through the Halo app. Halo app? What's it called? Halo or Halo? Hello, 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 like, hello, like Adele, is it me you're looking for? So the Hallow app, um, and on the Hallow app, they have different people reading the Bible, including me. So you should read, mine's really, really cool. It's so, it was so weird doing it, y'all, because they, they want me to read you to like a story time to sleep, so I read the Gospel of John. So I start off really loud, and then I get like really low in my voice. It just felt very awkward. It reminded me of when I used to like date, and I was trying to like have that, that, that voice from my girlfriend, like, hey, what's up, you know? Um, <laughs> but on the Halo app, on the Halo app, different members of the body of Christ read the Bible, and they read it in such a way that you can listen to it as you fall asleep. And so we get lower and lower. So that way we're also sleeping with the Word of God in our mind and in our heart. And I really do believe that if we can persevere with this time of prayer with the Scripture and study of the Scripture and watching the Scripture and listening to the Scripture, 
that we really will experience an authentic happiness that can only be given to us by God. We, we really will come to know Jesus in a, in a profound and intimate way. And we really will come to know the place that Christ has created for us to embrace in the body of Christ. And if we can stay in that place, stay in his embrace on earth, then God will give us the greatest grace possible, which is the grace of perseverance, to remain and hold a communion with him, not only while we are on earth, but most importantly, forever in the kingdom of heaven.